In this week's episode, I get straight aggressive about the brain archetype in media. We throw out some spoilers for the new issue of House of X, and Chris wraps us up with an amazing new image title. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hello, and welcome back to another rousing episode of Cover B. Hi, guys. T, you seem really amped. You seem really on edge. Oh, guys. This week in comics was... It was mm. a week. I didn't even read that much. Like, mm-hmm. I have plenty to read, but it's a lot of, like, mid-season episodes. Like, mid... Mid-season episodes? Mid-s- mid-season yeah. episodes. There's a lot of issues in the middle of the run, so there's not, like, a whole not lot a of... Whole, a lot of, yeah. like, getting over that climactic hill, moving on to the next right. thing. Right, so it's, thing. it's a lot of stuff. So, I read a lot of comics... But I try to share primarily the firsts and the lasts with you guys because I feel like that's the most important part. So I tend to read the other stuff kind of over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week was mostly number ones for me. I had an Archie number one and two Marvel number ones. And I'm lit right now. Mm-hmm. She's on fire. Man. I am. She is shook. I am so shook. Okay. So we're going to go. Up? We're going to go through a little mini key issues tonight. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not a total key issues. It's not enough to make a full key issues episode because it's not really a proper discussion topic. It's more a rant I need to have with you. So I'll okay? do I'll do like the typical key issues overlay, but instead of like <laughs> low key issues, I'm going to make it like high pitch so it'll be like key issues. <laughs> Like, quick and, like, jazzy. Okay. All right. So, in media, there are certain archetypes that are built into the foundation. Yeah. Right? You know, the bad boy and the girl next door. Yeah. Okay. Another such archetype is the brain. Mm Mm-hmm. The brain started back in the day in a couple different ways. One, you had the nerd. The nerd who was socially awkward, but very self-conscious, and was very smart, mm-hmm. and whatever. And that was part of the characterization. Yeah. Meant to be a relatable character for the underdog. Then, in science fiction, it evolved into the robot. So there was okay. the inability to understand or relate to humans, but there was never any malicious intent because it's a robot. It's yeah, the it's da- like- data syndrome, right? Yeah, okay. Data yeah. from Star Trek. Okay. Since... The beginnings of the brain's development in media. It has since devolved into the worst kind of thing. Okay? So this can be characterized as or depicted in characters like Brainy from Supergirl in the okay. Arrowverse. Yeah. Or, or Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. And essentially okay. what the brain is now is an arrogant dickhead that is fully cognizant of how genius they are. And their entire plot point and involvement in the plot is to be a total piece of shit. <laughs> okay. That's their whole vo- role. That's their whole value. Everything they say, every plot point they have, every involvement is just them being an arrogant douchebag. Okay? Yeah, it's like they added in to compensate for the fact that the brain used to be, like, the butt of jokes and, like, the one who, like, the Dexter who, like, couldn't relate and, like, right. you know, was a nerd and outcast. Right. To, like, compensate for that, they instead kind of made the brain the bully in a way. Yes. Constantly talking down to people. Yes. Condescending. A tad of ego. Like, they're not, like, super boisterous about their ego, but the ego's there. Or sometimes. To the extent where there's, which it 
boggles my mind that this show is as popular as it is, but there's various episodes where the brains in that show get frustrated when one of the women or non-brains or lesser brains achieves something better than them. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like, that's a consistent, like, theme. Like, oh, Penny did something smart. Right. Oh, my God. You right. know, and, and And something that I guess is that this caricature or this archetype has been built to serve as some sort of comic relief. Like, oh, see how funny it is that that person's so awkward, but they're so smart. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay, it's not fucking funny. Okay? It's not. I have friends who hate when they see people who cheer for the antagonist, who root for the villain. Because in their opinion, you shouldn't be rooting for the bad guy. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't relate to the anti-hero. You should relate to the protagonist, the hero, because they have the proper moral set. Correct. Yeah. I would rather be on the team of Darth Maul chopping off heads than the brain. And I say that because typically in life, the villain, the super villainous villain, is not super common in our in our live in our livelihoods. You know, there are there are serial killers, there yeah. are bad people, there are terrorists and horrible, awful things. But in your day to day life, you don't usually come into actual interaction with those people. Mm -hmm. And so, to unless relate, you work at the White House, burn. Or I guess, as appropriate, Bazinga. Um, what? Bazinga. The thing is, when you're relating to the villain, it's because you're typically relating to the itty bitty titty bitty pits of character development that are given to them to give them some sort of depth. You are either intrigued by their power, or you are fascinated by their humor, or you are inspired by their coming out story, any number of reasons why you may relate to the villain. The brain is not relatable. It is frustrating because we all know someone in our life who is an arrogant dickhead. Yo. And we all know someone <laughs> in our life who thinks they are better than us. Yo. I don't understand why the brain is a caricature that exists in media so consistently as it is in the Future Foundation number one issue that just came out. So I guess week. I'm confused. Is your key issue that the brain has changed, or is it that people are relying on that trope? Both. Okay. My issue is that You wouldn't mind if the brain was a constant trope, but it was back to like the like the the Dilton type characters, yes. you know. Or or the data. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind that I actually love data. I love Star Trek next gen. More than the original. It's Sorry, okay, we forgive a, you. Yeah, I'm a Picard house. Yeah, yeah. Deal with it. We, we can't all be perfect. Poe body's nerfed. Picard is better. You know what? I'm not having this argument right now. Anyway. Your taste is bad. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he can't get a proper phrase out Captain in one Slug. sentence <laughs> is the whole. You know what? Yeah. No, again, I'm not having this argument with you. I'm right. Data's great. I love the character of Data because there's some sort of interesting niche there about him not intentionally being malicious when he says things that could feel condescending because he's not trying to be malicious because he's not a person. Yeah, he's not people. The issue is that the brain has devolved into this condescending douchebaggery character and it's used everywhere. 
and it is the worst. Nothing takes me out of a scene or a show or a movie faster than some dude just being a dick because he wants to be a dick. Future Foundation is set up to be a great book, okay? Mm-hmm. I like the dynamics and the characters. I thought it was going to be about the Richards kids. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah, the Powers. It's, um, it's Alex yeah. and Julie Powers. Julie Powers is awesome. She was dating Carolina Dean from The Runaways. That's how I actually know about Julie Powers. Nice. I was actually pretty stoked when I was like, oh, I'm figuring out what this is about. It's got Yondo in this issue. Like... It's cool. There's Yondu. some. Yeah, Yondo's his cousin. <laughs> LOL. But I was really excited getting into it. Except for this character in this book. I, I have to look up his name because I have straight blacked out in absolute rage. The dragon man. No, the dragon's great. Uh, Is it? It's not one of the Moloids. Is it the one that's like a green head in a jar? No, okay. it's the clone son of the wizard. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Whew. Um. Oh, some deep comics. Bentley. 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 Oh, Bentley. 23. Bentley 23. So you think and like, your wise mouth. <laughs> think like X-23, like they made a clone You're of the wizard. You're such a wise inheimer, <laughs> Bentley. It's a kid. Oh, Bentley. A young man. Oh. And he is the most egregious representation of the brain. You arrogant little rascal, Bentley. <laughs> i literally ever seen depicted in media. This guy, every line out of his mouth is legitimately being a shithead to Alex Powers. Well, yeah. That's the whole point of his existence. Have you seen Alex Powers? Screw that guy. Alex Powers is actually pretty cool. He controls gravity. That's dope. Is he a dragon? There's a dragon android in the team. Alex Powers ain't got shit. Alex Powers is cool. Why are you hating? Hate on Bentley! Come on, man! That's the oh, whole man. point I'm, of this! I'm full in on Team Bentley. Get out of my house. <laughs> I can't like like so maybe it's just the first issue woes maybe that's just like the story they wanted to use was like like let me okay establishing the dynamics you know I, I mean? guess and and fine but even his monologue they gave everybody like their own little monologue and it's cool because there's like a no maze in that and she's like a genius Wakandan like kid who nice. looked up to Shuri and she's pretty dope yeah. and like, you know, Julie Powers is trying to figure out what she's doing, how she has an ex-girlfriend in Carolina, and, like, Alex Powers is a professor, and he's trying to do the job that Reed Richards told him to do, and, like, it's all cool. And then Bentley's monologue is literally, you know, my dad got it wrong being evil. It's stupid to be evil. The dynamicism between good and evil is stupid. I'm not on team good or evil. I'm on team awesome. <laughs> That's his literal line! I'm on Team Bentley. <laughs> I just... Man, Bentley's a douche. Why Love him. would you create a character that. like that? Like... Because it's awesome? It's not He's awesome! He's on Team Awesome, T. That sounds great. I am so I shook, you guys. Awesome. I'm so shook, you guys. But you can't be, because you don't have the brain that Bentley has, apparently. 
He sounds like Mandark from Dexter's Lab. I on I watched a shitload of Dexter's Lab as a kid. I legitimately don't remember that character, and it's probably because I have fully blacked it out. Yeah, it's probably. I imagine his voice. You're you're kind of one of those people that gets irked by voices. I imagine Mandark's I voice. I do. I'm probably. I'm like easily triggered, y'all. Like I don't know if you can tell, but I don't know. This just I I have always had some undercurrent of issue with the brain caricature as it is in modern media, but it never like fully formed. Like I remember watching as Brainy was brought on to Supergirl and looking at Chris and being like, you know, I don't like his character. And Chris is like, Brainy's great. And I'm like, no, I don't like this character. I don't know why. I'm just not feeling it. And now I know it's because there's no need to develop an archetype around a character that's inherently a flawed member of society. If you cannot develop some level of tact, you're broken. Straight up, you're broken. Mm -hmm. You're useless. You are not a functioning member of society. A protagonist in its base characteristics should be good, well-intentioned, and supporting of the human race. And the arrogant, weird, unrelatable, overly smart and arrogant aware of it douchebag brain character can't fill that role mm -hmm. so why is it on the team i don't know i guess people find it humorous you know what i mean i don't going back to the show i don't understand you know big bang theory people love sheldon enough in that role that you're describing to give mm -hmm. a spin-off show of a young version of that role you know what i mean which so. I've never watched. I've watched The Big Bang Theory effectively once and was incredibly offended by it. That's a whole story for another day. Yeah. But I couldn't imagine watching The Young Sheldon because I hate the arrogant D-bag characters, but then you make it a kid? Yeah. Oh, my God. I think, Um. I guess it... You know, it just boils down to having another character that you can provide, like, emotional layering to. So, like, as they learn to, like, put down their ego and they learn to, like, connect with people and they learn that, like, smarts isn't always what gets you there and stuff like that, you know. I, I guess that's really where it comes from, like, why it's used so often. Because you can't just constantly shit. throw, like, quasi-evil people into every situation, you know what I mean? So you give them that distance between the heroes and, you know, that distance between them and the heroes in a different way by making them have that sort of, like, egotistical smarts. In that know? way, I want to give a quick shout out to Joss Whedon and Firefly because he found a way around the brain in Jane. Jane is an idiot. Yeah. But he is a baseline flat character who then develops emotionally and thus has that layering that moves on as Jane stops being quite as aggressive, as Jane starts to have fond feelings for the rest of his crew, mm. as Jane learns to let well, other, that's a different to character, trust other though. people. That's a different character, though, because they had the doctor who was the brain <laughs> in that one. You know what I mean? But even the doctor wasn't as much of a douche as any of the yeah, areas. He has some severely douchey moments. <laughs> <laughs> severely. I just, I don't know, like... The fact that the brain is used the way that it is now is just 
atrocious. It's just lazy. Yeah. It's so lazy. Listen I mean, here, writers and, and creators and producers. Quit being so damn lazy. Well, I mean, you have to have an element with the amount of shows, the amount of stuff that you're constantly putting out. You have to have an element of cookie cutter, you know, and going through like, you know, we've mentioned it multiple times on the show. Like we're going through the CW stuff, the Arrowverse stuff right right now. And, you know, there will be moments where like the exact same thing happened in both like Arrow and Flash or like flash and supergirl or something right you know there's like very similar characters pop up or like very similar themes are talked about right and it's just you got to do that because otherwise you're not going to have anything to say if you don't fill the gaps in like your overall narrative with these kind of like cookie cutter tropes then you know it's just gonna feel empty yeah anyway so house of x Anyway, thank you for listening to my ramble. Thank you for listening to the ramble. That was my key issue with the caricature and archetype of the modern brain. Correct. It's very good. Thank you. Thank you all. I feel less lit. So House of X2 came out. Uh, This one was... I think I mentioned last time that this was the episode... Episode? Why do we keep saying episodes? Uh, This was the issue (laughs) in the read order in the back of house of x and powers of x the like checklist thing that was highlighted as red for good freaking reason Uh holy crap what happened jonathan hickman has done it he has Uh achieved (laughs) what do you do so first of all he completely like found a loophole in retconning that has not as far as i know been done before how what um so and huge spoilers massive spoilers i'll wee, send wee. up the spoiler alert uh sound effect there are spoilers here uh for house of x number two skip ahead a certain amount of minutes uh maybe we can put that in the description uh like where to skip to yeah we can anyway, totally do that um yeah so he made moira mctaggart because this episode was like the curious case of moira x or whatever right. moira mctaggart is a mutant oh okay. she was unaware that she was a mutant until she lived her life to the ripe old age of 75 and then died of heart failure or something. Oh. And then was reborn. What? Into the same life. In the same position. Not like reincarnated. It didn't go like 75 and then the next year she was born. She looped back. Huh? And retained all of her memories. So that's huh? her power. So when Is it she... a different body? When she reaches, no, it's same Moira. Literally looped back into her fetal self. Oh. From the time of conception. Um, when she turns 13, her mutant gene activates. And her mutant power is this reincarnation. So we are now on the 10th iteration of Moira. Hence Moira X. Powers of 10. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Fair. And she has tried to change the world multiple times in different ways. So she tried one time to come up with a cure for the X gene, and that's what got her killed. She teamed up with Professor Xavier once. She teamed up with Magneto once. She teamed up with Professor Xavier as a kid. She teamed up with Apocalypse. Like, she did all these different things. And it creates, what he's done is created all these different possible timelines that can be approached later. To the extent where, when you look, he gives, like, this laid-out timeline to show that we are on the 10th one and, like, where we're at on that 10th one in terms of years 
the one where she teamed up with Apocalypse goes off the page. So, like, it could still be going. I flipped to the next page. I was like, does this one keep going? It, it is endless. Oh, my God. And it God. doesn't, that one doesn't show when she dies. Oh. So, that's probably going to be something important. But, holy crap, dude. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, my brain is tickled. So, remember in Powers of X 1 when I was talking about it and we saw that page that was the most important page in X-Men history? Oh, it was him seeing all of her lives. They brought that back. That's how this book ends. Oh. This one ends with that same thing. And now you realize it is the most important thing because Professor Xavier has just seen every possible outcome that has happened over the past nine lives. Holy crap. And the whole, like, she is chose to, like, she's on her 10th life. She chose to do something radical because this future seeing evil mutant named Destiny um told her that she potentially is not going to have infinite lives oh. she's not immortal because she has to live to 13 for her mutant gene to activate to be able to reincarnate oh if she dies at so, 12 she's sol because it was like her third life or something she did this mutant cure and mystique and destiny wrecked her lab killed all her like team and had her, like, tied to a chair, and Destiny was telling her, like, hey, you can reincarnate. That's cool. Guess what? I'm older than you. Because, you know, I was born before you, literally. So when you reincarnate, I'm already, like, of age. I will have the ability to find you when you're a kid and murder you. <laughs> so if you don't choose a different path from this one, I'ma kill you. Oh. And Snack. Destiny told her, like, I'm seeing, like, 10, maybe 11 lives max. And... Oh, snap. We don't know if that's true, necessarily, but, like, every time Moira went back, the universe, the entire Marvel universe changed. Oh, my God. You know, there was one where Magneto took over the United States, and all the Avengers and X-Men had to take him out. That didn't happen in our in what we know. So we don't know what universe we're in. In fact, her like fourth life seems like the one that should be the one we're familiar with. Ha. Huh. But this one is also the one we're familiar with because it mentions the Genosia genocide. It mentions her faking her death. It was a Shi'ar golem and all this stuff. Um, huh. Proteus being born is mentioned on this one. So, you know, this is probably the real universe, but like... It might not be. How many things that have happened in the universe can now be either explained, shoehorned into a story, restructured, redone, attributed to these different timelines that were created simply because Moira died and had a different life. Wow. And it's, it's, I've never seen that. I, I cannot think of another character whose power is reincarnation to the extent where they literally can alter the timeline you know what i mean wow because it's a beautiful superpower because it's it's a nothing power the only thing you get out of it is that you know as long as i live till 13 i'm immortal you know yeah and but like a you can't guarantee that you know what i mean like you could be because she lives in the womb she has her memories in the womb and so like her mom could fucking get into a car accident while she's pregnant and then you're gone you're done you know yeah. what I mean? So there's a long period there where you don't have anything. But wow. 
you know, and her being smart and like super smart is just because she retained all of this information, all the Oxford education she's had over 10 lives, you know, it's essentially like what? 40 oh, years of schooling. It's, just, it's so cool. And it was such a cool book. Cause it just, it just cataloged her life. It just started at one, went to two, she got into a plane crash, went to three, this happened, went to four, this happened. And it just, it showed her die every time except the apocalypse one. And then it just ends on that page, that most important page. And that's how Hickman got it approved by Marvel. Because he looked at them and said, now you would expect this to be the main timeline. But it doesn't have to be. Yeah. So, so if it, they at the end are like, we need to retcon this shit, so they it's can. Still, it still leaves a lot of questions. Um, yeah, I mean, they totally could. They could. This whole thing could end with Moira dying and then the new timeline starting. Yeah. You know? And that's the crazy thing to think about, too, for her power is if she creates a timeline she sees as perfect... She just, she has to make sure she does it again and again. Because her whole thing is she's trying to, like, make the perfect world where people are accepted. And she flip-flops between, like, how that's done based off of how she died previously. Um, but, like, you know, if she's trying to make the perfect world, what if she does? And then she dies of old age. And then restarts and has to do everything exactly, exactly the same. The same. Or it's going to be a different world, you know? So it's it's crazy to think of, like, the implications of everything. Because that's the thing is if she insane. if she reincarnates and is like, okay, well, I had my perfect world. I'm off myself. And she, like, strangles herself with her, like, baby's first noose or whatever when she's, like, four. Um, then the world's not the same It's not going to be the was. same world because she's not in it. Oh so once God. she creates a perfect world, then she has this burden of making sure that everything falls in line perfectly for the rest time. of eternity for eternity because she'll never and eventually like you got to think like that many years compounding in a brain you know you're gonna get to a point where your brain's not functioning the way it should with oh all that like just all the stimuli and stuff oh my god and then you're not going to be able to keep it up and it's just it's the so burden of her yeah, it's so oh my god like it's so confounding and it was so cool and it's such a cool power. We've never, like, I've never seen something like that. It was really freaking stellar. And I'm super excited. There's still so many questions, like, you know, how does this, all this stuff compare to the stuff that just happened? Because this feels like our universe, you know what I mean? There's not a timeline in there that feels like, oh, this is where the Age of X-Man stuff happened, but this is where we are. This still feels like the universe we know we've been reading for years. So where did, you know... How did Professor X come back? Is this the Phantom X guy? You know, what happened to these people? What happened to this person? What happened to their plans and their plans? You know what I mean? So there's still a lot of that, which will develop as time goes by. And Powers of X has tons of questions because we got, like, barely a taste of what's happening there. But, oh, this issue is so cool. I, I had so many reservations because I was like, you know, Marvel's hyping the shit out of this. Is it going to be what it says it's going to be? Shut up, phone. What are you doing? Um, and I just... I, I think it is. I think it's going to be this magical, beautiful thing. 
that just revives this franchise. My brain is twitching with so many questions of the implications this has for, like, the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And, like, well, like the relationship of how this is affecting, like, the web and, like, oh, my God, my yeah. brain. Like, especially, I cannot comprehend. Especially with X-Men stuff, like, there's always been this idea of altered timelines. Yeah. So, like, when a change happens in the past, a new timeline is formed, but the old one still exists. So, every time she revives, those timelines still exist so as their own alternate kind of thing. So, then if she does create the perfect timeline and dies, does she then want to go ahead and kill herself because she knows that the other timeline is perfect and so she's just damning this timeline because at least the other timeline exists? I don't know. Oh, my God! I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> if you haven't picked up House of X, Powers of X, House of X 2, uh, you need to. They're fantastic. I'm going to keep updating you guys as stuff goes on because it's going to be crazy. Uh, do you have any other Marvels that you read this week? Yes. My other uh, number one uh, in Marvel was Agents of Atlas number one. Nice. Um, Spinning out of the War of the Realms thing. Yes. And it was pretty good. Um, nice. I wouldn't say it was anything, you know, like life altering. Yeah. I have a hard time with Amadeus Cho personally because I don't know, maybe he's a little bit of the brain character. Everybody has a hard time with Amadeus Cho. <laughs> but uh, this actually feels like they're trying really hard to redeem him. And the mm-hmm. plot's pretty cool because they're essentially developing this interesting thing where some company develops portals and puts them all across the Pan-Asia, like, world. And so you can go from Tokyo to a place in New York to, you know, somewhere in the Philippines mm-hmm. just by, like, t- going two blocks down through a hole. And they're kind of building that up that there's going to be some drama around that. Mm-hmm. And because obviously it breaks laws. But, um... I like it, too, because they're balancing Amadeus with Cindy, um, Silk, and Silk is dope, and I love Silk, and I feel like Silk didn't get enough love in her solo title, so I like that they're they're leaning heavily on her. They also did a cute, cool little short in the end of um, this book with the original Atlas crew, um, Namoria and and all of them. Gorilla Man. Athena? No. Yes? Aphrodite? No. It's, I think it's either Athena or Helena. mm, I think it's Athena. Probably Hestia. Everyone loves Hestia. Well, it's hilarious (laughs) because she's a redhead and Mm -hmm. her power is like singing. So literally her entire time in the back of this book is her singing Jolene. And it's great dolly parton shout out it was it's great it's really funny and cool and modernized cool. and yeah. but um it's not the best thing ever but it's you know appreciating some representation and yeah. i like that they're trying to redeem amadeus a little more and it could be a good read nice so check it out cool. absolute carnage number one oh, happened this week snap. that's another one that's super hyped that book is thick. it is a hefty mama Holy it smokes. is the encyclopedia britannica of comic books it almost um, didn't fit into her bag and yeah, I, I had to call my doctor and make sure it was cool if I lifted that bitch. Um, yeah, it is a big old book. Uh, and, oh, it was fun. 
it's it's the start of an event and admittedly i think absolute carnage is only a four-part event oh i think i saw that the other day it's like one of four well it's it, got tons of spinoffs that big then no, nobody's it's got surprised tons of spinoffs this book was mainly set up you know it was getting venom into the place he needed to be bringing spider-man into the fold um and obviously sicking carnage on them um i'm kind of giving you an idea of carnage's plans with only four issues i mean yeah if they're thick issues super um you know hopefully next issue won't be a lot of setup and we'll really like dive in there we got the return of the maker um which is evil reed richards from the ultimate universe um he's helping with what spider-man and venom's plan is um so it's it's very kate's it's very much settled in his there was some reference to what happened what went down with the whole red goblin thing um in amazing spider-man 800 um so they are dipping into like other stories because kate's stuff has always kind of felt it's really good but for the most part as he's been building up to this absolute carnage thing it's felt very much in a bubble a little shallow. Like Venom's talking about Noel. Silver Surfer's talking about Noel. They mention Noel and Guardians. That's kind of it. You know what I mean? Like, not Briefly many other... in War of Realms. War of Realms was, like, one of the first, my in my, what I've read, first, like, really breaches of, like, somebody else is talking about Donnie Kate stuff. Right. Um, Like I said, when I talked about History of the Marvel Universe, they didn't even put Noel in there. <laughs> you know? And I thought that was freaking hilarious. Shady. Um... But it was a good book. I, I'm excited to see where it goes. If you didn't know it was out, definitely get on the train. There's going to be a lot of tie-ins, like I said, with some of your favorite symbiotes. I think it could be really cool. And Downey Cates keeps talking big game about how this is going to do some serious shaking up. And I just got to give him credit. Like, Donny Cates writing Carnage gives Marvel their Joker. Oh. Like, the way he writes it, the tones. And, you know, the, the counterparts... A lot of people feel, you know, and I agree, Joker, Carnage are easily like cross-universe counterparts. To okay. the extent where there's a point in one of the Marvel DC crossover books where they have like a bonding moment and then are like, want to go murder together? Yay! Um, <laughs> it's something like, I think Carnage instigates it. It's been a while since I've seen the panels, but Carnage is like, what do you... Er, joker's like what do you No, i think joker instigates he's like what do you believe red man and carnage is like i believe that reality is just a big joke and the only insane thing is to try to find something serious in it and joker's like you get me (laughs) and then they go and party stab people a lot um but the just just the voicing (laughs) that kate's uses on his carnage it's so dark and it's such a good villain oh it's so good um so kate's keep up the good work donnie um i know you're recently married so hopefully that's not making you too busy or something um (laughs) if you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) dear cover b stop talking about my dick Signed, way too many celebrities and writers. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so yeah, absolute carnage. Check it out. It's a it's a hefty mama. Bring a bring a forklift. Yes. So I'm gonna 
walk us back away from the Marvel I'll Land. Walk it out. Walk it out. Um, and I'm going to walk us right into Archie 10-year anniversary. Nice. Um, the married life thing? Yes. So, essentially, it's two stories, mm-hmm. both depicting what would have happened if, if Betty or with if, Veronica. Right. If he had, you know, hurt the other and married one or the other and what his life would be like. I thought he'd end up with Moose. Hey, technically in Riverdale, Moose is gay. Oh, hey. And it's Nailed pretty it. cool. Kobe. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. He's hang- he's with Kevin. It's great. It's adorable. Uh, it's cute and stuff. Anyway, um, so this was really weird for me um, because I've been reading all of the modern Archie stuff, which has been, you know, aptly modernized for a new audience, understanding the nuance of social commentary and things like that. Yeah. This didn't have that. It's very old, old school. Woof. So... I had to beat off three guys just to get to. <laughs> Classic covers. So there's there's two lines. There's if he's with Veronica and there's with if he's with Betty. And both are just sort of gross. Like, if he ends up with Veronica, he goes to work for Lodge Industries. I'm sorry, some spoilers, but, like, I'm doing you a favor. Um, if he goes to work for Lodge Industries, he, like, ends up working himself to the bone, becoming a terrible father, miserable at his job, they have twins, and the twins resent him because he's never around, because he's working to make money so Veronica can be at home, and then she's like, no, I'm gonna go back to work, and then he's like, no, you can't go to work, because then both our, ki- our kids will resent both of us, and, like, ew, ew. yes, yeah, ew, and then you switch over to Betty, and I'm like, oh, well, Betty wouldn't be like that, so this has to be better. So instead, in this one, Archie decides to pursue his job or his dream of being a musician. So after being a music teacher for a while, they move to New York, and he ends up just kind of mooching off of Betty, who gave up her dream to support them <laughs> and the kids. This is all Archie Sabrina shipping <laughs> propaganda. That's all it is. You know, maybe. It's all like, like, hey, we really want to push Archie and Sabrina so we can have that Riverdale-Sabrina crossover, so. Which, honestly, I'm actually really digging the Archie and Sabrina ship. Like, I'm shipping that pretty hard. They're pretty cute. Um, But, like. Would you say their relationship is magical? No. Well, okay, then. (laughs) I shut you down. You got me, partner. Are you wounded? Yeah. Um, but no, like I actually really enjoy Archie and Sabrina, but this is just like it's I don't know, it's gross. Like yeah. I I don't understand why this is the like ten year anniversary thing. It's just it's kinda gross, y'all. Fair. I can I can see that. So I mean pick it up if you're a big Archie fan, but just be be prepared. Well, in the realm of all of Archie's possible love interests, which one would you choose? <sighs> like, for him or for me? No, get it. Get it. I, which? I, I'm trying to <laughs> deliberately ignore your pun. Wait, which? I Did you I hear the you, emphasis? I heard you should the first I time. Do it, should I deliver it again with more emphasis? Nope. I'm, I'm deliberately trying to ignore you and your pun because it's bad. Your pun is bad, and you should feel bad. 
Moving right along. Um, cool book. Super cool book that came out this week. Uh, it's called Dark Age Number One. Um, it's from Red Five Comics, smaller, Ooh. smaller publisher. Um, it's a very fragile book. So if you buy one, be very careful. <laughs> like, like I was very nervous getting mine home because it's very flimsy. Um, but cool cover, bright red cover, really, really neat book. Uh, the whole premise is it's another post-apocalyptic thing, but in this world, the post-apocalypse happens when this bizarre kind of gray mist coats the world. Ew. Destroys everything metal. Oh. And plunges every the world back into a dark age. Oh. So people form, new nations form, and people, you know, wear, like, plastic armor, like, football armor, and, like, body pads and stuff like that when they're, like, huh. going to war and going hunting and stuff. Um, it's it's this cool... It's got this cool Walking Dead vibe with this, like, family that you like, but you don't entirely like, but, you know, you understand that they're just grizzled by this world around them. But there's no freaking zombies! Which is sweet because we're all done with zombies. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, come on, over zombies, zombies are so old. Um, but it's got it's got that kind of cool feel, and it seems like the story is gonna really ramp up to you know, kind of a typical post-apocalyptic thing where, right. you know, some group starts to get a little too powerful. This particular group being themed after the Empire in Star Wars, Ooh. which is hilarious. They have like the emblem. And really? And they're led by the emperor and stuff. Who's well, I a chick. mean, laminate armor is not going to get damaged. Yeah, and they have like plastic, like sealed armor with that makes gas masks. It's hilarious. Um, they may have invented like lasers or something. I don't know. Oh my god! It's really cool. It's a cool book. The characters are fun. There's an interesting bit of family tension going on. Uh, it's and it just it just launches in like it oh, starts like off. Like, I think page two, the apocalypse happens. Oh, shit. <laughs> and so you get, like, a page to be like, oh, I understand who this family is. And then it's like, boosh. <laughs> and there's a badass chick lead. So if you're into, like, badass female Woo-hoo! protagonists, she has a very great line where she's, like, threatening to cut this dude's Johnson off. And it's <laughs> it's just super B.A. And it, it's, it's, it's a good book. It is very good. It is... Uh, let's see. It is written by Don Hanfield and with art by Leonardo Rodriguez. So very, very cool book. Um, I highly recommend that. It might be kind of hard to find if you're surrounded by smaller shops, but I think there's plenty available online for cover price. So cool. Uh, you should be good to go. Nice. Do you have anything else? I actually maxed out on my yeah, reading. Um, my rage one... filled everything. This one is shaping up to be one of my favorites. Ooh, um, I loved this book, and I'm going to make you read it, actually. Oh, I'm down. It's called Coffin Bound, number one. Interesting. It's got one of the most bizarrely postmodern premises I've seen in a while. It's okay. this chick who is living out in this wasteland, and someone paid this unstoppable killer to take her out. So her response... You know, she could run. She could try to fight. No, her response is to go back to all the, like, important moments of her life. Not, like, literally time travel, but, like, go meet those people. And essentially incinerate them so that she never existed. If the world doesn't want her, it can never have had her kind of thing. It's bizarre. 
it is the dialogue is somewhere between like an Anthony Burgess Clockwork Orange and like Tank Girl. Oh my it god. Is set in this like old man Logan meets Mad Max meets freaking like Las Vegas kind of world. <laughs> the art is grim and beautiful at the same time. There's gore and body horror and drugs and maybe supernatural stuff like this skeletal bird on top of this like clockwork body just shows up like this is how it opens it just this bird thing in her house and she's like hey who the hell are you and he's like i'm the vulture and she's like (laughs) vultures usually follow people who are about to die and he's like yep (laughs) all right (laughs) and then. then he just like they hop in a car and they like fear and loathing their way across this wasteland and then by the end of the book she's making out with some prophet who just gave herself a prophecy about dying and stuff that's amazing there's like a dude who feels like you know russell brand and percy bish shelley had a baby and there's a like (laughs) strip club where the strippers like rip their skin off because oh it's like an extra it's that next re- level of release where you're reminded of your mortality and there's like wow you know oh it's so good it's so good <laughs> it is such a good book it is so cool um i cannot recommend this one enough coffin bound number one if you can find it get it buy it read it love it put it in a freaking plastic top loader and wait for dan waters or danny does the art i don't know much about danny um comes to your town and have them sign it and have them sign your knees i don't care <laughs> like oh it's so good i i am in love with this book and that is awesome it's just I'm the first so issue so it could you know peter out but like i this was one of the like it's been a long time since a number one just like flat out like grabbed me by the throat and shook me around and like i love how bizarre it is like i love how strange it is like it was good it was very good oh touching myself (laughs) um no it was it was it was incredible it it felt a lot like i guess if i could think of a recent image book that kind of had a similar feel dialogue wise maybe wolf had like a very similar kind of dialogue where the dialogue doesn't really make sense but it does it's like very poetic and very like you know you wouldn't be surprised if one of them was like hark thon motherfucker you know what i mean like (laughs) maybe even even like a little little bird yeah a little little birdie um little bird's a little bit more pragmatic little bird is amazing and it's little bird great great book um but like these are the number ones image needs to come out with agreed like image is just swamping the world with number ones and some are good and some are okay and some are bad but like these are the ones that need to come out coffin bound number one great book dan waters your dialogue i could i could listen to it in my sleep it was it was the most like maloko droogy kind of kind of dialogue i've seen in a in a comic and it was just so good well, and you know that right now, Image is shotgun as many number ones as it can, trying to figure out how they're going to fill the hole of both Paper Girls yeah. and Wiktiv. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's some holes right there. Yeah, yeah. they got that's big holes. That's scary. Well, and, you know, Hickman bailed on 
I think he's still putting out East of West. I don't know, but East of West might be wrapping up soon. No word on Black Monday murders, as far as I have heard. And he totally canceled his other one that yeah, he was like big, space one. Their big money books are hurting. Um, now. they're almost done. Yeah, and it, it another like one last great thing I want to say about this book is that it doesn't take itself too seriously, and you can feel hmm. that to the extent where like periods where this this unstoppable killer is called the Earth Eater. Okay, and um when it's like talking about him it puts his name in like big red letters like some sort of b movie type thing and then the rest of the dialogue underneath it so like if he were to tell you like hey what did you have for breakfast it would be like earth eater had a bagel (laughs) (laughs) it's so good oh it's so good very good like i this is one of my top recommendations from Snap, like dude from like 30 something ish episodes of the show coffin bound 39 one. episodes yeah, yeah this is the 39th episode if i right now right now if somebody was like hey go through all the recommendations you made in the past 39 episodes pick top five this would be top three wow easy. so this was good wow <laughs> this is very good so awesome and on that note on me absolutely exploding with joy for coffee bound number one that's gonna wrap us up we are done for the day done for the weekend we hope you had a great time and you know what if you listened thank you yeah thank you man thank you for having poor enough taste to choose us over all the other podcasts that you can listen to i just Thanks. assume they wanted to have the whole gamut of emotions because yeah. we started with my really utter angry loathing and yeah, yeah. ended on your joy if you want more cover b you can find us on facebook on twitter at cover b podcast you can find us on our website coverbpodcast.com you can now listen to all of our episodes on our website one-stop shop for everything you need cover b and hey if comics are only part of the thing you're into and hey maybe you're into gaming particularly watching other people game you can check t and i out on the twitch channel tink tink games we do various game streams on there we're actually probably going to be Wolfenstein New Blood stream sometime soon. Yeah. Um, and she's going to be terrible because she doesn't play FPSs, but hey. I, so I don't. I'm if not that's so more your nerd <laughs> speed or it's just also your nerd speed, be sure to check that out. I'm good at Skyrim. You're good at picking flowers in Skyrim. I make the best potions. <laughs> potions, Sella. <laughs> I need your strongest potions. I can provide. Oh, cool. Have a good weekend, you guys. Have a good one. Bye.